0: The future is coming. Make it brighter with Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easy to turn your idea into a unique website. Showcase your work, blog or publish content, even sell products and services of all kinds in just a few clicks. You can customize everything from look and feel to settings and products using beautiful templates created by world-class designers. And there's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade, ever. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code BIGPICTURE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. It
1: was a cottage industry once, but we've sort of expanded it. And many people who think it's a couple of guys in a shed. (laughs) That's been the journey for us, really, in the last few years is with making feature films, is how to industrialize the process Mm. the way Disney films are made.
0: I'm Sean Fennessey, editor-in-chief of The Ringer, and this is The Big Picture, a conversation show with some of the most exciting filmmakers in the world. This podcast is a safe space for animation, Unlike some of my colleagues here at The Ringer, I adore animated movies, especially those made by today's guest, the great British writer-director Nick Park. Park, who is the creator of the beloved Wallace and Gromit, is a master of the stop-motion animation format, which requires meticulous work with clay, patience, and a whole lot of creativity. For his trouble, he's got four Academy Awards. Park has a new movie, an underdog sports comedy about cavemen called Early Man, and he still has a gift for combining the sweet with the absurd. Nick and I talked about the extraordinary time it takes to make one of these movies, why he won't give up stop motion, and the animation studios that intimidate him. Here's Nick Park. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, huh? thank you. My pleasure, Nick. It's been ten years—more than ten years—since you had a film that you directed out into the world, right? I, I guess it is. How does it feel? I, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. What? what it, took so long?
1: It's always great. Um, I mean, it's great to just have ideas and then see them become reality and out there and uh, yeah. Uh, what took so long? Um, I wasn't. I wasn't really aware of time passing, to be honest. I really? guess I'm an animator. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something we hear about the style, obviously, the yeah. that you make, too, is stop motion. It takes right. this it great does. period of yeah. time. But what yeah. were you doing in that time? Did it take a long period of time to conceive the film?
1: Uh, it did. I mean, these films, they, 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 they're they years in development. Mm. And, and, you know, I, I spent a couple of years just in a room with a writer just looking at cards, you know, postcards on a wall of uh, uh you know looking at the story and the structure and the uh, the character arcs and the story arcs and everything do
0: you have sketches uh, of those characters at that time too
1: yeah i i recently just discovered an early sketch of a caveman uh, from 2010 so that's how long i've been doing it wow uh, i mean i've been involved in other helping develop other projects and stuff si- since then that's that's what's taken the time but um yeah i mean um this one's well uh, I guess it wasn't. I wasn't on it full time to start with, and, and it slowly became a reality as we got the funding and, and the backing for it, and it, and it was, re- you know, green lit. And then it, from then on, it, be, it was. It's taken about four or five years
0: what, to actually. Why this story? Why did you decide to do a caveman story? Um,
1: well, I guess um, I've, I've had cavemen kind of in my blood for since I was about eleven. I was. I was. And it, for me, it seems to lend itself to stop frame animation, you know, the, the kind of the rough, the, the hairy earthiness of it all and the, almost the naive, the, a lot of comedy for me comes from the stop frame and especially cavemen and women. And um, I was a big fan of Ray and films and I absolutely loved One Million Years BC. I, I couldn't believe it, seeing that film when I was 11 of dinosaurs moving around with people and... And I guess it's always been there. And actually that film is the one that made me pick up a a home movie camera and start making my own movies. Um, You know, I discovered that my mother's home movie camera had a stop frame button on it, like one frame at a time. And so I started to make, I was a big dinosaur fan and started making my own dinosaurs out of out of clay and moving them around and uh, I was also had a love for for cartoons so it became uh, you know so I started doing funny stuff as well
0: so dinosaur movies were sort of your your first films that you were making yeah so this yeah it's a bit of a yeah. full circle moment
1: it is and I actually discovered i think it's under my bed somewhere i, I made a super 8 film of a a a, a caveman and his pet dinosaur uh, brontosaurus called uh, bongo Murphy and Bongo, it was called my my first ever duo. Uh,
0: wow! So this has literally been living inside you for decades. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I've, I've kind of remade that base.
0: That's incredible. <laughs> and I feel like the first shot of the movie is a, like direct Ray Harryhausen mm. tribute, right? The mm. two dinosaurs kind of going yes. at it. It feels like yeah. It's, Out of one of his films,
1: yeah, and we actually, as a tribute to to Ray, we named one of the dinosaurs Ray, and the other one Harry. (laughs) 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 Uh, uh, But yeah, that opening sequence is very much a tribute, very much a nod to Ray Harryhausen, the great man. And we even put a bit of. It's really strange to be shooting on digital cameras, which is immaculate. And then you have to degrade the film uh, and give it a bit of sparkle and a bit of grain to make it look like it was shot in the 1968 or 1969. Yeah, that's fascinating because um, um, uh, obviously yeah. your
0: early films are all shot on film and they, have that, they do have yeah. that, that natural grain, right?
1: Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, anything shot. I mean, we've been shooting on digital cameras since uh, Curse of the Weirabit was shot on film. And then we, Matter of Loaf and Death, the, uh, you know, the Wallace and Gromit shorts, we shot that on digital digital cameras. Do you have a preference? Uh, well, we we approached it with a little bit of caution because um, we kind of waited till the technology was right. And But even jumping across was, you have to make lots of adjustments. And the, the other DP, um, you know, he had to change. We had to, even in the art direction, we had to change the color of the wallpaper slightly in Wallace and Gromit so it didn't kind of sing out too too vividly and um, that kind of thing. But, but now the technology is more, I think it's more and more adjusted.
0: Um, is there anything that you miss about some of the more, pardon the pun, like primitive techniques that you had earlier in your career? <laughs> um, well, I mean, it,
1: in a way we're still doing it. In a way, in the primitive, mm-hmm. you know, you know, early man is very much the the old stop frame technique, and and most of the um, the principal animation is actually using stop frame and and clay wherever we can. Um, which, but is you do have expressive. the use of some digital. That's right. We've we've all the way through. We've adapted or adopted uh, digital technology where it helps us, where it makes the animation a bit quicker. Or, uh, f- for example, um, the. There's a lot of running around in the movie and people jumping through the air, for example, in a football game. Um, so in the olden days, we used to use wires, thin wires or fishing line, but then you'd have to um, position it. It took the animator a while to position it so that it didn't reflect the light. Uh, nowadays, we don't think about that. We have a, like a big bendy rig behind the character that lifts the character off the ground frame by frame, uh, and then we just paint that out afterwards.
0: Oh incredible so uh,
1: yeah, so you don't have to worry about it so it makes the animation quicker, but it's the same technique.
0: What about writing the stories is it is it easier for you to write now because you feel like nothing is in your way there's there's a lot more you can achieve
1: um no <laughs> no, it's not easier in in anything it's the writing remains the hardest thing because it's uh uh especially in a feature film because it's uh uh, telling a story that has to have all the right points, you know, all the right structure and junctures and, uh, you know, so that it remains compelling and entertaining throughout the whole 80, 90 minutes. And, and that's, a, that's a massive challenge.
0: Was it difficult for you to have a story that is not mm. sort of part of this native environment that you've been working in with Walls and Gromit and the way that that expanded mm. over the years too?
1: Yeah, that was a – it was a very very big challenge to be creating an entirely new world. But at the same time, that's what's, it. That's what's interesting and exciting and, and uh, inviting about it as well. Um, it would have been easier in some ways if I'd have made a, another Wallace and Gromit movie. Yeah. But um, one of the biggest challenges is, is, is establishing brand new characters in a brand new world because you have to do so much in the opening 20 minutes to kind of get people kind of zoned in on these new characters.
0: How much research are you doing for a story about Prehistoric times. Is it important that something like this, mm. that is as lighthearted and fun, be mm. accurate? <laughs> like I was thinking about this because yeah. you have the, these two worlds yes. colliding, literally, is like, sort of a right. Stone Age and a Bronze Age, yes. are yes. colliding in the story. But I, I, I as I was watching, mm. it was like, is this? Is there an element of accuracy to what's happening here?
1: <laughs> well, I think there is truth in it, yeah. but it's not at all accurate. Mm-hmm. If that can be true, um, I think it's. Yeah, I didn't really. Re- I did actually look into the. I did learn a lot about the stone age and the bronze age. I didn't realize the bronze age lasted so long. Mm -hmm. It's a few thousand years. Um, But um, I, once I got the, uh, the basic information, I, I, a lot of the reference in the film is to other movies, not to, not so much to accuracy, mm-hmm. and, uh, and scientific accuracy, uh, or historical for that matter. I could have set out to make just a prehistoric adventure comedy, but for me, I'm always looking for that quirky angle. And I feel like that's been covered so well anyway, uh, in animation. So it was the football or, you know, what, uh i think mean, you call soccer here we call yeah. it soccer yes yeah. we do i'm sorry yeah. I'm yeah. <laughs> That's <wrong>. right. yeah. <laughs> um but yeah it was the it's kind of about the invention of soccer and um and how this bunch of cavemen who uh over over powered by the bronze age can no longer fight with their old stone tools and and weapons and so they have to the only way they can win their valley back is to is to play soccer
0: you must be a soccer fan
1: i'm not a I'm not a fan of soccer at all, really no, no. so how did you I've, land on this? Uh, i didn't well i've I've didn't grow up in a in a soccer fan family i I always supported my home team. Mm-hmm. I always had a bag with Preston north end on on it, which is my local team and um so I was a nominal supporter. But I do actually get excited about the game. I love the World Cup and, mm-hmm. and get very excited. I wish America had got through uh, <laughs> I do as
0: well. It's a painful... How dare you bring it up here? <laughs> will be there and we will
1: <laughs> It would have made my job easier as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. But still, the sport has, has grown into yeah. profile huge here over the last yeah. 10 years.
1: You sure, yeah. yeah.
0: But, but was it hard for you then as not like a hardcore fan to make this the centerpiece of the story that you're telling?
1: yeah well i i always feel i'm i'm an outsider so i've got an outsider's view on the game so it's not primarily a game for soccer fans Mm -hmm. at all or sports fans at all it's uh it's primarily uh you know a comedy adventure with cavemen but soccer was just the quirky angle that i found very early on that made the whole idea different
0: it really works it does have the spirit of a sports movie in a great way you know like i said earlier in the show we it, we know mm. that it takes a long time mm. to make these films. Mm. You know, that's something that I, you must get asked mm. about all the time. But how long does it take specifically to make Early Man from start to finish?
1: Yeah, well, it, the actual filming takes about 18 months. Mm-hmm. But that's like the final <laughs> part of the process. Uh, about 18 months to two years to actually do the animation. Uh, but before that, we're, we're storyboarding and designing characters and sets and everything. And uh, before that, we're writing and um, developing the story. So all in all, four or five years for the whole movie.
0: Unbelievable. Yeah. Is there yeah. ever a time where you're like, I've run out of patience and I can't yeah. do this? You, do you ever? <laughs> yeah.
1: It's uh, you do. You get tired. It's, it's it's a sorry. I shouldn't say that because it's it's a very Thrilling process as well, and I feel so privileged to be able to preside over such a. you Have an idea and then bring it through to realization on the screen, and um, I guess what really motivates me is the the gags and the comedy of it all. Uh, I couldn't make a serious feature film. I think uh, I don't know why I'd, I'd go spare. You know, I'd, I would really go crazy um, if if, I, if it was serious. So it's, it's getting the ideas, but staying with them over four years. And then seeing them in front of an audience, that's, that's the most satisfying bit.
0: Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. Support for today's show comes from Squarespace. Ready to start your new business? Make it stand out with Squarespace. With beautiful templates created by world-class designers, Squarespace makes it easy to turn your idea into a new and unique website. Showcase that work, blog or publish content, even sell products and services of all kinds in just a few clicks. You can customize everything from look and feel to settings and products, and it's all optimized for mobile right out of the box. Use Squarespace's analytics to help you grow in real time. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. Though if you do have a question, Squarespace's award-winning 24-7 customer support is there to help. Destiny is calling. It says you need a new website. Make it with Squarespace. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code BIGPICTURE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. At squarespace.com, offer code Big Picture. Now back to Nick Park. I read that you have thirty-five to forty animators working across forty sets on the film. Mm. So, what exactly does a director of a stop-motion animation film do? What, what exactly are you doing with that many people in your stead?
1: Mm. Yeah, you kind of you are sort of um, overseeing a lot of people, and um, I, I kind of uh, while directing it. Alone, you know, I have two animation directors and people below me who then feed stuff to animators and and brief animators in more detail. Um, and there is a whole, you know, there's 150 people also working on it who are, you know, as you say, like 40 animators, uh, a whole whole groups of different specialists and model making, set building, you know, and all the usual editing and lighting and camera crew and and we're, sh- we're filming on 35 sets at the same time at any one point so we're filming all these different scenes at the same time so it's a lot to to look after do you um, have
0: to approve everything I mean, uh, how, how yeah do you do? yeah
1: there's one um director friend of mine who who said it's like being pecked by 100 chickens a day <laughs> <laughs> all day long and because um one and one minute i can be in some meeting about the story and how, the, you know, you know some problem with the structure and uh, how we're going to solve this problem. And next minute, 20 minutes later, I'm in a meeting where they want to know what kind of, what colour of grass it is on the football field or what, how long do you want the grass. Or, you know, everything has been decided by somebody. Um, everything's been created and... Uh,
0: what if something doesn't work do you have the flexibility to change it i feel like there must be so much work that goes into the pre-production of the of the story
1: absolutely and um as soon as we've got scenes that are pretty solid we start storyboarding and the storyboards help to inform everybody so the the storyboards are fairly detailed mm-hmm. and uh you know so that helps the art department to know what to build and the um what to plan and what how much studio space we need for that set and you know, and how many effects do we need so that we can, all the digital people can start working. And the storyboard acts as a kind of Bible for everybody to go by.
0: When I think of mm-hmm. you, and this is mostly because I'm ignorant, I think mm-hmm. of literally you moving Wallace around <laughs> and and actually animating mm-hmm. those films by yourself. Now, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, not, I, that's obviously not what happens anymore, yeah. but are, are there times yes. still when you're doing sort of the... Handmade work, where you're in the nitty gritty of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. A lot, a lot. I've met many people who think it's a couple of guys in a shed. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, but it's yeah. It it it. What it was a cottage industry once, but we've sort of expanded it and had. That's the, been the the big, um, you know, sort of uh, journey for us. Really, in the last few years, is, is is with making feature films. Is how to we how to industrialize the process mm-hmm. the way you know Disney films are made or you know Pixar film, if that's not too crude a term to to industrialize because it's still, you know, these films are very personal and, and our challenge is to to keep it personal, to keep a voice, a single voice and a style um, and have everybody working in that same style um, so that it looks like it's been made by a couple of people in a shed.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but it is not. That's what you're but saying. But it's not, <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, okay. So we found lots of ways to, to make the the technique. I mean, I, I I we did start out, I was doing either yeah on the first film grand day Out, i did do about 90% of the animation uh wrong trousers uh me and steve box did all the animation and then then it grew and grew from there to seven of us to on a feature film you know as you say there would be 35 40 animators
0: did you when did you know that mm-hmm. you wanted to to quote you industrialize the process that you wanted to make an mm-hmm. expensive you know you've worked with um mm-hmm. peter lord for a long time as yes. a producer did you did you guys have a plan to say we're going to make Wallace and Gromit Features, we're going to make Chicken Run? Did you know that it was going to keep growing in that way?
1: Uh, no, no. It's been a constant kind of um, constant expanding journey, really. We haven't – we've never really had a plan, I don't think. I don't think – Pete Lord and Dave Sproxton, who founded the studio, they – I think it's just – we've just gone from one thing to another as as our instincts, you know, uh, have, have led us. And – um we, you know, we made shorts for many years and we were approached about doing features. Um, I remember Disney approached us at first about doing a feature back in the early 90s. But we, we always felt we were not ready. Like the whole, the idea of going from half hour to a, a whole one and a half hours was just too big. <laughs> and mm. and we, we didn't know how we could gather the expertise to to enable that to happen. And and how would our stuff stand up on the big screen? We were worried about all that kind of thing, and uh, I what, guess
0: what changed then?
1: Well, I guess a lot of our generation were making short films, and you know Pixar were doing short films in their early days, and we all sort of knew each other at festivals, and um, and then we saw uh, Henry Selleck's film, you know, the Tim Burton Nightmare Before Nightmare Christmas. Before Christmas. Yeah. Uh, and that was like a wow! You can do this, and um, and how how have they done that? So that was a challenge for us, and we had no experience at creating the stories, the kind of story it would take to, you know, to to have a, a you know just a story that remains compelling and for for that long.
0: I I was wondering, what is it like to know that you probably will only be able to make maybe half as much of the films or the work as mm. say an animator working in a digital format, maybe even less than half, mm. you know, across your career. Mm. Is, is that, is there like any frustration or sadness about that? Or are you content to say, this is the style mm. that I love and this is the work yes. that I'll be able to make out of it.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, there is, it's very daunting, you know, when you're working on a full length feature and, and you, it's, uh, I have so many ideas. I, I would love to be able to get them out there quicker and, mm-hmm um you kind of accept that this is the time it takes um but it, strangely enough though i you know talking to guys at dreamworks or pixar the the, the length it takes to make a full length feature film is about the same i mm-hmm. uh, i guess it uh, there are quicker ways of doing everything but um but I, it's really because it's not even a choice for me i, I just love the clay I, I love what comes from the clay. It's it's like the way Gromit was created. I, it didn't happen on a computer screen. It was it was it was because I had the clay model. I was I was going to make him have a mouth, and and I was going to sculpt a mouth every frame and have him speak a little like Scooby Doo or something. And. Um, and I, I found I could only move his brow, and and it was just through tweaking his brow, uh, practically that that his his character came about, and his character was born out of that that sort of nuance and very small kind of a observational kind of human behaviour that that I I found I could create, and uh, he didn't need a voice anymore. So, and I feel like there's a, a humour that comes out of the clay itself, and a and a certain charm. So. For me, it's part and parcel of the whole thing. Um, uh, in one, in the on the one hand, we we say it's like uh, it's the story that matters most. It doesn't matter what the medium is. It's as long as you have a good story and good characters. But I think there is something that comes out of the actual medium here.
0: Yeah, they're bound together yeah. for you.
1: Yeah, they are. Yeah. They are, and and that's why I, I felt Cavemen really suits this medium as well because there's something a bit naive and a bit earthy. That comes out of the clay, and yeah.
0: So, since it takes four, five, six years to work on mm-hmm. films like this, how do you decide mm-hmm. when to start the next thing, and how do you decide what that is? Um, yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it's funny how when
1: you're working on one thing, you, it sparks other other ideas, mm-hmm. and so it seems a continuous process. I've always had one idea while working on. It's almost like. The the idea you can't work on starts to get exciting <laughs> because you you're having to complete this idea. Right, right. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, I have ideas already for new films and and I guess I do I do tend to think in terms of stop frame and and because I know I know what looks funny in stop frame and and what could be good in you know animated in stop frame.
0: So I I always end the show by asking filmmakers, "What's the last great thing that they've seen? What is oh. the last great thing that you have seen?" The
1: last great thing? Oh gosh, um, that's a good question. Um, but I've just seen Coco, which was pretty amazing.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. What did you like about mm. Coco? Um,
1: I think I think it was just beautiful, elegantly made. I was I was le- I was learning the whole time about direction and. <laughs>
0: Yeah, do you yeah. do you take a, like do you take lessons from other animators I when do. you're watching? It? Yeah. yeah so I watch all sorts Steals of stuff.
1: I don't just watch animation. I I just I watch all kinds of films and um old films and and recent films.
0: Was there anything that mm. stuck out in Coco that you were like, "Oh, I I hadn't thought of it um, this way?" It's
1: just the whole thing with Pixar, the way they they choose quite adult material, you know, subject matter as mm-hmm. well to, to do with memory loss and and um um, I love the work of Pete Doctor as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to see him uh, at the weekend. Um, you know, in inside out, just how mature, entertaining at the same time as very mature the work is at the same time.
0: I feel similarly about mm-hmm. uh, Early Man and all your work. Oh. So, Nick, thanks so much oh, for coming thank in and you. doing this today.
1: Oh, it's very kind. Thank you.
0: Thanks again for listening to today's show. On Monday, I'll be back with a new episode, a conversation with Yancey Ford, whose incredible film Strong Island is nominated for Best Documentary at the Oscars and is streaming on Netflix right now, so check that out. And I want to give a special shout-out to our Black Panther coverage on TheRinger.com this week. I wrote about the film for the site, as did Micah Peters, K. Austin Collins, Rob Harvilla, Andrew Garadaro, many more. And my pals at Binge Mode took a deep dive into the Marvel Cinematic Universe this week, so please check that out and check back here on Monday for a new episode of The Big Picture.